Hello and welcome to Personally Invested. I'm your host, Dave Richardson. Today, I had the chance to sit down and speak with RBC Global Asset Management's chief economist, Eric Lascelles. Eric is a ball of energy and someone who really brings economics to life for people who love economics or people who maybe don't like economics as much. His approachable way of talking about current economic issues around the globe uh, makes economics just that much more accessible to people. He's also very active on social media, and he's a really interesting personality with a really interesting life story. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Eric, welcome to uh, Personally Invested. We've uh, wanted to have you on for uh, for quite some time, but uh, you're the busiest man in economics, so we uh, we haven't been able, and I, I guess I travel a lot too, but uh, we haven't been able to get you here, but it's great to have you here today. Right. Well, gosh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. So, uh, this is one where uh, we're, we're hopefully going to be able to get together on a, on a regular basis to get your insights on what's happening in the global economy. And you are a, an extremely prolific writer and researcher. So we'll, uh, we'll have some opportunities to dig into what you're working on at a, at a particular moment in time. Uh, but for this one, we just want to tee that up with getting to know sort of who you are and, and where you come from and how someone as seemingly nice and personable as you can be so excited about a dismal science <laughs> like economics. Right. I mean, I get it, but uh, but not everyone would understand. Fair question. Because you're you're married, you have kids and everything, mm-hmm. like you're not a complete social outcast, but you're <laughs> but you love economics. I, I I would appear to. Yeah, I'll confess it's slightly mysterious to me as well. I, I might be being a slightly manic person that has me seem uh, overenthused, but uh, but I have to say when I look around at all of the wonderful jobs that exist out there, both inside our firm and and outside, I'm not sure that I'd want to be trading with anyone, to be perfectly frank. I mean, granted, there are certainly people who manage a whole lot more money than I do. I technically manage zero dollars. That's not a big accomplishment. Uh, There are people with bigger titles, uh, more senior in various ways. I don't think there's someone who has a more exciting and interesting mix of things to do, though. And so I like to think of myself as being a bit of a renaissance man, perhaps in the sense of getting to do a lot of writing, uh, getting to do a lot of thinking, doing math and modeling and speaking to clients and presenting and being on TV and that sort of thing. And I don't think there's a more varied job out there, which is fabulous. And I have to say as well, as much as I'm not not likely to be the next CEO of the company, uh, I have a wonderful profile as well, both inside and outside the firm. And so to me, it's it's a pretty great place to be. And most importantly, it's just intellectually fruitful. Whenever anything's happening in the world, I, I have to dig into it. That's my job. And that's an interesting place to be. Well, I, I would love to be able to go to my mom and say I'm the chief economist at RBC Global Asset Management, the largest asset manager in Canada. I think that's a pretty good title, but uh, but then that's me. I mean, I, I bought my first stock when I was 10. I've loved economics my whole life. It was my favorite course in high school and university too. That's my, my background. Yep. W- when did it start for you? Yeah, that's it's a good question. And so I, I would say it's a little blurry as, 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 as origin stories usually go. And so I would say uh, to begin with, I do have a father who does have a degree in economics. So there was a little bit of that. The All Economist right. magazine would sneak its way into the house on occasion. And so I had a little bit of exposure. I'll confess, though, I think my point of contact was probably similar to yours in the sense of being fascinated by markets and at a similar age, get putting a little bit of money in and 
and very quickly losing it all on Japanese mutual funds in the early 90s, I seem to remember. So uh, don't repeat that mistake, I guess. Uh, but in the end, uh, really a story in which I like markets and I was interested in that. And so naturally it took me in something of an economic direction. Uh, I went to school in the States. They didn't have a business program where I went. And so uh, economics was the thing you studied if you had an interest in being on Bay Street or on Wall Street or in any other sort of capacity. So it wasn't a clear statement by me that that was my plan, but it was an opportunity to do a bit of learning in the subject. Uh, I came out of university and uh, the first dot-com boom was going and I had a, a minor in computer science as it happened. So I actually did the dot-com thing for a while. Oh, really? So further okay. to the idea, it was not preordained that I would be an economist. Yeah. Uh, that, however, blew up about six months later. And so I came <laughs> back to Canada with my uh, tail uh, between my legs and I managed to latch on at Stats Canada. And so there was me as an economist for the first time and I found the work quite interesting and it struck me that this is something I, I could see myself doing and I then went and got a graduate degree in economics at Queen's and uh, and then was very lucky to land at a big bank, uh, not, not this particular one, but at a big bank uh, sure. here in Toronto and uh, I guess the rest is history and you know, I must confess, I think with as with almost all of us, our, our, our careers are one in which we, we grab the low-hanging fruit as it presents itself to us and so uh, conceivably I could have found myself in a different role but as it happened, the opportunities were largely in an economic direction sure. and, and no regrets. And I, I think it's been a pretty good fit in the end in the sense that uh, I, I, I do like the markets and I do like to think hard about math and modeling, but I love writing and I like speaking as well. And I think this is a job that, that marries all those things. Sure. So, so was uh, was economics any better for you in high school getting dates than it was for me? Because it was uh, no. it was kind of dead toxic. Uh, no, not not at all. No, and I, I did take some classes in high school as well. I, I am I am married to someone I went to high school with, so perhaps it ah. didn't completely hurt me. But but nevertheless, it was not a helping thing. Yeah, I, I had to go several years out and get a job before I, <laughs> right. I I could get a date. But that's uh, that's not a story for this podcast. Where where did where did you grow up? Yeah, I'm from Ottawa actually. Okay. Yeah, so from from Ottawa, uh, you know, son of a civil servant, and so I was exposed. To that side of things and was briefly one myself, I suppose you might say, in, in the sense of having worked at Stats Canada for a little while as, as well. And it was a lovely place to grow up. It really is a great family town and lots of outdoor type stuff to be done. And I, I was a, a pretty good student, as you would imagine, but uh, I was really into running. Like track and field was ah, my passion. Okay. And so I was on the, the Ottawa Lions track club and, and running seriously for them and having some, some pretty good success. And, uh, you know, really not being quite as good as the next statement will sound, but eventually sneaking my way onto the Canadian national junior track team at the end of high school. And so I got to, to represent Canada in a few meets, uh, which was very exciting, and, and then went on to, to Princeton and the NCAA system, and I was, I was running for them as well while, while studying. Oh, really? So, so, so the, uh, and, and where you went to university is, is Princeton. Yeah. And, and was that on a scholarship for athletics, or was it a, a little bit of both? Yeah, that... I mean, it depends if I want to flatter myself or not. <laughs> I mean, the reality, if anyone goes to an Ivy League school, it's all needs-based. And so if you come from a very wealthy family, you're not getting a penny. It does not matter if you're the world's best athlete. If you are very poor, on the contrary, you can get a full, in fact, you will get a full scholarship more or less, regardless of your, your sporting or academic prowess, so long as you got in. And so being from somewhere between those two points, uh, I, I did get extensive financial assistance. I can't claim it was purely on, on running merit, though. Okay. And, and what was the experience like at, at an Ivy League school? I think that's... Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it, was, it was quite good. I'm you know, glad I did it. Looks good on a resume. Made some great 
great friends as well and, and learned some, some things too. And so it was lovely really in, in every way. Uh, you know, ben Bernanke was, he was just coming onto the faculty as I was leaving. Of course, no one had the foggiest clue who, who he would later become. And so I don't know that I quite fully capitalized on that, but uh, it was, it was great. It's a you know, good school, wonderful resources, good athletic programs as well, which was, was also a priority for me. It, I think for everyone, university is an adjustment. I found it to be probably a bigger one than many in the sense that I was switching countries and that might sound like a small thing, but actually I found there to be some, some pretty big differences and you're suddenly operating in a different echelon of person as well. Many people coming from private school backgrounds and so on, yeah. which I hadn't. And so there was a bit of a scramble involved there, I would say, but it, it worked out pretty well in the end and it, I've got some fond memories. And, and, and I'm sure uh, laid the groundwork for what uh, I think everyone who works with you finds so remarkable about you, which is just this incredible work ethic. Well, you, you said it, not me. I don't know yeah. if that's quite... I'll, I'll take that reputation, yeah. whether it's true or not. Um, I, I, we do work hard, though. We're a, we're a small team. Like, we're, we're two and a half people when I'm feeling generous. And you know, on the one hand, that's, that's tiny compared to a lot of economic shops out there. And I can imagine the, the wonderful things we might be capable of doing if we were two or three times bigger than that. All the same, though, I have to say two things. So one is uh, we've also got people managing funds of billions of dollars with teams of two or three, and so I struggle to justify why my group should be bigger than theirs, and so that's a, a thought process. We run pretty lean, and we do a, a reasonably good job of it, I think. Uh, and then equally, one of the great beauties of being part of the largest asset manager in Canada is you know, my job is not just to find interesting and important new things. It's to filter information, and so I get hundreds of emails a day of research coming from sell-side institutions institutions. We pay millions of dollars a year in terms of independent research and all of this sort of washes over us and a big part of it is identifying like what's a what's a good idea what's interesting what's less good what's less interesting and and running with that and so it's almost like we have a team of thousands working for us as opposed to just a couple of people and so you know our job is to figure out what's important in all of that and you know it's very similar when we do forecasting certainly trying to get those GDP forecasts right and all of the other things. And some of the work is the traditional, let's crunch some numbers and let's run a model and that kind of thing. But there's lots of other tricks you can use in terms of, you know, what, what's the consensus? What's the momentum in the shifting consensus forecast? We, we say, who are the, the smart forecasters out there? Let's, let's sit on their shoulders if we can. There's a lot of great resources we have. It's not just us plugging numbers into a single PC here. It's, it's, it's almost a bit of crowdsourcing. Well, I learned the work ethic thing a hard, the hard way. Because okay. uh, you just started with uh, with RBC, and of course we've got millions of customers across Canada, and we were in the midst of a little bit of market volatility, and we were looking for some comments from you, and I, and and I remember I at the time was like this new new economist, why why don't we have anything from him? We should, we should right. where where are we going to get something? And uh, and about two seconds later, the email pops in. You've written a big piece, and you were at a very important function completely over on the other side of the globe, which you left early so that you could write this brilliant piece, and boom, we had it. I said, okay, I'm never going to say anything about his work ethic again. And you're so prolific is, is what's, what's amazing on top of where, where do you get your ideas for some of the, the thought right. pieces that you yeah, write? Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. And I, I must confess, some of the being prolific probably goes back to learning to type at a very young age. <laughs> I, I could type 100 words a minute. That goes a long <laughs> yeah. way towards being prolific. My, my sympathies to those of you who are, <laughs> yeah. are, are, are pecking around on the keyboard. It's hard to be quite as prolific. Well, you're an athlete. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. A, ty a, ty a typing <laughs> athlete, yeah. Uh, so yeah, where do the ideas come from? I'm really a huge range of places. And so some of it is just, hey, I, I just read 
300 pieces of research today, there's probably a good idea or two in there somewhere. And so that that's often where it starts. It's not always just a eureka moment in, in bed. Uh, I, I will say all the same, having done this for, for the better part of two decades in various capacities, I've got a sense for what matters and where I should be looking and so on. And so when I see the stock market down, I go look around and fairly quickly realize there are some macro elements to that story. And so this is an opportunity to dig into those ideas a little more thoroughly. And it's always, it's never exactly, do you have a good or a bad forecast? It's always versus the consensus, right? Sure. Because the market prices something in. And so the question when, when, when things happen in markets is whether it's justified or not. And so we're looking and often agreeing with the direction of the market, but questioning whether the, the size makes sense. And so that's leaning back on, okay, yeah, the growth forecast has deteriorated to some extent. Has it deteriorated as much as the market? thinks. And so that's the sort of question sure. we try and answer. Okay, rising interest rates are perhaps an issue. Uh, are they likely to go a lot further? How much damage gets done by these rates? What other context is there? And so some of it's fairly obvious in terms of what you need to delve into. And then others are, are just idiosyncratic issues that come along. And so I just, I keep a log and the log is here's 20 things I'd like to look into at some point in time. And if I've got a down moment, well, that's the issue I'm going to to dig into. And there may be no rhyme or reason at all to the precise timing for why some of those thoughts came out. We recently updated as an example, some of our work on on the economic impact of climate change. And so you know, that that's a constant. You could write about that any day of the week, I suppose, or you might not write about it for a few years since it doesn't change very quickly, but it might well be an important subject. And so when I find new research, on that one, it was, oh, the Nobel Prize in economics just went to William Nordhaus. Uh, he won that in large part on his work on environmental economics. I should probably be reading a few of these papers. And what do you know, some interesting findings emerged from that. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, I, I find uh, a lot of what you write is, again, very timely and, 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 and important, meaty stuff. And hopefully we'll have a chance over the, uh, over the next several months to, to dig deeper into some of those papers. You're, you're also very active on social media. That's right. Yeah, I guess I'm one of the guinea pigs, you might say, at least within the Royal Bank family on that front. And so pr precisely, we turn the, the weekly research that I generate and the monthly webcasts and some of the other documents into uh, Twitter tweets and into various posts on LinkedIn as well. And there's been been fabulous uptake of that. And of course, listeners are welcome to, to follow along if they're so inclined. And it's it, it's been great for, for reaching beyond, in some cases, our immediate clientele and, and out into the world of prospects. But I think equally, and maybe even more so, it's been great to reach people who are clients and who are, in fact, uh, in many cases, colleagues, uh, but just find this to be a convenient means of obtaining information. And so that, that's been just fabulous. So we'll include all that con content uh, or the contact data in the uh, closing comments that we'll, uh, we'll record and, uh, and on the web page associated with this. So anyone who wants to follow Eric will be able to follow Eric, and he's a great follow, uh, always timely information. And again, this, uh, this research that uh, for those of you who like really meaty topics that are, uh, for lack of a better term, topical, because mm -hmm. they're, they're current uh, things that people are thinking about, uh, it's a, it's an amazing read. So so let, let me just finish it off with how do you balance all of this? You've got a family, yeah, and uh, your 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 wife must be busy as well with with and the kids. And how, how do you pull it all together? Yeah, it's, it's busy. I think that's probably a fair claim for for many people out there as well. And so uh, I mean, part of it is I've got a fabulous team. I've got a fabulous nuclear team in the sense of you know, Vivian Lee is an economist with me, a few other people, and so they're doing a lot of work 
most of the work, frankly, in the background. I get a lot of credit, but they do a lot of work, and so let, let's fully acknowledge them. And then the other beautiful thing about the way this firm has been put together is I have a huge number of tools at my fingertips. And so some of those tools are, are human resources in the sense that I've, I've got a group that, that's, that's helping me on the social media feeds, and there's an editor who can make sure my, my work reads well as needed, and I've got a graphics designer who can make charts and diagrams look, look pretty, and there are assistants booking travel and all of these things. And so you know, I may have a team of two and a half, but arguably I'm using 10 people's worth of resources in terms of what we're able to put together. So a, a lot of it uh, is precisely is precisely that, and that that's a big part. Uh, I would say equally, this firm invests in uh, technology. And so you know, I, I, I've spent, I think, $50,000 a year on one big econometric model uh, that it would take me 100 years to build by myself. And yet here we have it at our fingertips and we can do stress testing and, and run forecasts on. It's only one of about a dozen inputs we use when we actually do our forecasting. But the bottom line is I'm not going back to square one on every single thing I'm doing. I'm, I'm already on, th- on third base here, you might say. And so that makes, makes things a lot easier. And then more j- broadly from a family sense, I think as with everyone, it's, it's a struggle. You, know, the, the, you travel, I think, more than me, so you would appreciate this even more than I do. But uh, there is a lot of hard work done in the background by family to make all of this yeah. possible. And I'm Absolutely. deeply appreciative of that. And you know, when I'm around, I, I, I try and do as much as I can. I'm, I'm on bedtime duty when I'm in town because I certainly aren't sure. when I'm out of town. And I'm a scouts leader and a Beavers leader and a baseball sprint coach and a few other things. And obviously, sometimes I'm just not there for that particular session. But I think when you're around, you've, you've got to do it. And of course, weekends are key in all of that. Yeah, nothing nothing more important than family That's in right. terms of being able to help everything pull together. Well, Eric, thanks for uh, thanks for your time today. One of the great things we've been able to do thus far with this uh, with this podcast is highlight some of the great talent at RBC Global Asset Management, but not just that they're they're extremely intelligent and 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 talented people with great educational backgrounds, but really great people too. And uh, everyone who uh, you work with, uh, you know, down to the last person just loves that enthusiasm and just genuine, genuine nice person that you are. And it's just uh, a pleasure to have you here today. Gosh, that's really kind of you to say, and it was a real pleasure. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us on Personally Invested. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Eric Lascelles. If you want to see more from Eric, find him on LinkedIn or follow him on Twitter at RBCGAM Chief Econ. Thank you.